0: I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C.
1: You know who it is, Travis
0: Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It's very important for all podcasts. This one also got Big Poo with me today. And our guest from the NFL Network and the Huddle and Flow podcast is Steve Weiss. Steve, how are you today?
1: Poo and Doug, what's going on? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Excited to have you. Let's. Uh, Poo is only on one day a week during the summer, so I miss out on the birthday game. We will play it today. So the all game, they somebody. The, the birthdays will be this week. They might not have happened yet, but they will be during this week. Let's start with Felicia Rashad has a birthday this week. How old is Felicia Rashad? Jeez,
2: Louise. Um, mm. I'm going to say uh, 68. I know it's probably older than that.
1: Well, the new dean of Howard University's fine art school, I believe, is 70. Uh, 73 this week.
2: 73.
0: But, I, seven but I'm sure many. she'd be dying to go with Pooh's guests. No <laughs> uh on Pooh on your i know he is on your mount rushmore ice cube has a birthday this week how old still, is
2: ice cube Still don't know how old ice cube is but he is um i'm gonna say 52 52 yeah 52. i'm right there too i was about to say 51 or 52 uh
0: one of my favorites leah remini has a birthday this week leah wow. remini Hmm. I, I can tell you they stole that from me. My father-in-law moved in with us. It, it's King of Queens right here every day. So you do not have <laughs> to watch the show. But Leah Remini.
2: Um, Let's go f- 44?
0: I was going to say 46. 51 today. Wow. Really
1: gonna,
2: wow.
0: Okay. Gonna, uh, let's see. And let's round out. Dirk Nowitzki has a birthday. This week how do you think Dirk Nowitzki is oh man
2: big Dirk uh let's go I'm gonna go with his number 41
0: and I would say 40 43 43 for Dirk wow wow, wow. Yep. okay so so Steve uh we had planned on having you last week then Julio Jones you right. broke we had to reschedule and that's no problem of course uh, so I'm curious for you because I know that you covered the Falcons for a while. Uh, it's not that they didn't want Julio, right? It's that with the cap, they just couldn't work it. I'm, I hear all the time. I guess I ask this because I hear all the time. The cap is not a thing you can manipulate it any way you want to, but they did not manipulate it. They had to get rid of, one of their best players because they couldn't afford them. Is that true? Or he was ready to go? Well, it,
1: it, it well, to the latter point, he was ready to go. And they opted not to manipulate the cap. You can always manipulate the cap. I mean, at, at some day, there will be a reckoning. Like right now, the Saints are going through the reckoning. They, you know, they had to lose a lot of people, and they said, you know what, we're not going to pay some big contracts this year because we don't have the space. It's why right, getting Jameis Winston on a very affordable deal allows them to build a roster that's still going to be competitive while, you know, the, the payment's coming due on a lot of these big contracts like the, you know, that they had, like Drew Brees' is, Old deal. So they opted not to in part because Julio wanted out. He, you know, he had not been happy there for some time. You got a new regime coming in. They were like, look, we cannot have a big presence like Julio Jones not happy while we're trying to establish something, you know, with some younger players and Matt Ryan. So, you know, they opted to make the deal. Plus it was like they have, you know, their, their feeling was the cap is jacked up. He's got more value now than to try to force your way through this, and then maybe at 33 and a little nicked up, his value is even less. So go ahead and make the deal, and they're going to have to live with the consequences. I mean, by trading him to Tennessee, they get him out of the NFC, but they really strengthened uh, the Titans roster. I mean, the Titans roster is really good offensively, but this just took him to the next level because Julio is a great receiver, great blocker, team guy, does everything that that organization in Tennessee uh, likes to do. Um, the Falcons, their roster is weakened. You know, they drafted Kyle Pitts, a rookie tight end. They're going to have a new scheme. Um, Calvin Ridley is more than a capable number one wide receiver, um, but you know they're they're going through a change. They're going through another regime change there, so we'll see how this impacts the Falcons. But no one, I think, can sit there and say if they let's say they finish up five hundred, can blame it simply on not having Julio Jones. So they've got they've got some holes they've got to fill there.
2: Steve, I'm a little confused by. Atlanta's uh, offseason, I'll say. Uh, I think they had a chance, new regime, uh, new uh, front office, new head coach to really start over. Um, And they still decided to keep Matt Ryan. Uh, Obviously, they had to get rid of Julio for for contractual reasons and Julio just being ready to go. Do you think that they missed a a prime window to to really – restart the franchise and reset the franchise by not going all in on the rebuild this offseason, Or do you think Arthur Blank just doesn't have the stomach for a complete rebuild?
1: No, I mean, first of all, I think Arthur Blank's got the stomach for it, but that clearly was not the philosophy. I mean, they figured, you know, I think they figured if they moved Matt, or Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, the dead money on their cap would be absolutely insane, right? It would be insane. I think it would be combined more than thirty. To $40 million, you're paying, you know, your cap is taking a hit for guys who wouldn't be on your roster. That's a tough pill to swallow. At the same time, if they don't win this year, right? Let's say they're not, they're not a playoff team. What did you get out of this year? You're 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 a year behind the cycle on getting a good quarterback. You're a potential year behind on addressing some other issues. So, you know, they have to hope. In my opinion, this is not a wasted season because Matt Ryan, after next year, they're going to have the same bridge to cross that they just crossed with Julio in terms of the salary cap. Do we move on? Are they going to be in a position to get one of these young quarterbacks coming out of the draft? You know, they just got an additional second round pick that gets you ammo. But let's suppose the Titans make it to the AFC championship. That pick is going to be 30 or 29 um maybe a combo with your other second round pick but is that going to be enough to get you high enough in the first round to get you one of these quarterbacks we'll see um but they're they're banking a lot on them being successful this year um because i think next year they are there's going to be another you know salary cap cleanse so to speak where players like grady Jarrett, and matt ryan could be susceptible to to being on the
0: move i've been uh honest for a little bit Steve, and, and maybe i'm way off here, but it feels like Kyle Shanahan has the blueprint from his time at Washington to start a, a rookie quarterback. I feel like it's Trey Lance week one. Do you? No,
1: no, no. I, I think I think with Trey Lance week one, they would have been more, more aggressive in trying to move Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I do think that, you know, they liked Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they had the money to absorb a cap hit. If, if they they wanted to do that, I think they like Jimmy Garoppolo and feel that they've got a roster where they can take one more shot with him. And then if it doesn't work out, or if it does work out, they're going to move on. Can you imagine if he wins a Super Bowl and they move on? But let's just say, but let's yeah. just say, you know, they, they decided to move on after the season. You know, they got a couple other contracts that maybe you know Jimmy Garoppolo, D four, the outside linebacker. You know, these are some contracts that they can they can move off of and get some other players. But the one thing the Niners have done is, is they are. They are deep, um, and they've got talent. The the thing is that the injuries, man, the injuries just pile up and pile up and pile up. They've already lost two players this offseason, the season-ending injuries. Um, So we'll see. But no, I think Jimmy G is going to be the guy um, until it gets to a point where they've, they've got to go to Trey Lance because, as we know, Jimmy, he ain't the most durable quarterback back there. And so if you open the door with an injury, you could revisit the time when Alex Smith was a quarterback of the 49ers, and he gets hurt. Colin Kaepernick steps in, and that's the end of Alex Smith with the 49ers. So it could be that type of scenario.
0: If Trey Lance was th- there at three, do you think that would have been the pick for Atlanta?
1: If Trey Lance was there at three, had
0: Right. Do you had, think he would have made the move there? Me, four.
1: You mean you if mean Trey Lance like was there at four? Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 for Atlanta.
1: Ooh, I don't think so, but that was tempting because they liked him. I think I think it was Kyle Pitts all along, especially the fact that they had made such a commitment to Matt Ryan. Remember, they they redid his contract to basically make him their guy for two years. I don't know if it's going to be for two years, but the contract hit would be, is sizable. Um, but that's a great question. But I still think it was going to be, I think it was going to be Kyle Pitts. Even though you know, speaking of some folks in that building, they thought all along when the Niners moved up it was going to be Trey Lance or Justin Fields. They were not buying into the Mac Jones uh conversation like so many other people did. I never got it. Go back and look at my reports yeah. on NFL Network. I'm like, "People I'm talking to and it wasn't just with the with with the Falcons, but other teams. Some teams were like, there's no way. No, there's no team talking about Mac Jones being a top 5 pick. And so where this conversation came with the 49ers was 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 mind-boggling. And I love how they played into it. I mean, they took yeah. they took a media snowball and really pushed it down the hill.
2: Steve, I'm interested in your opinion on which of these five rookie quarterbacks was put in the least ideal position to succeed. Oh, God. The least ideal? <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> people, people, normally, people normally ask which one is in the best situation. No, 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 no. Which one was in the... One was in the least ideal. I don't want to say worse because we don't know yet, but least ideal situation.
1: Well, wow, that's tough. I would probably have to say, uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets, even though I think the Jets can be a lot better. Um, I think Michael Floor is, is a really good, I mean, he's really well thought of as, as an OC. Um, well, you know, let me rethink this. <laughs> Because <laughs> the Bears, man, Justin Fields. I do think Justin Fields is gonna be their guy from, from game one from week one. Um, why not? This is a this is a coaching staff in front office that's on the green mile. And you know, if Justin Fields shows some promise, then they can maybe extend um, their job security. Yeah, you know, look, let's go Justin Fields though. I mean, their offensive line, they have not been able to run the ball for two years. I love Allen Robinson. I just think he is such a special player who just has not, he's had Blake Bortles, and then the menagerie of whatever he's had in uh, in Chicago. Um, but, you know, the Bears have a good defense. And, you know, if Aaron if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers don't work this out, that division becomes a lot more interesting. I think it's going to be tough for the Lions. They're, they're doing a pretty significant rebuild. I think the Vikings should be very good this year. If Aaron Rodgers is back, the Packers are still the team to beat, even though I think the Vikings are going to push them. Um, but the Bears and, and Justin Fields – that's going to be tough because, I mean, look, if, if it doesn't work out, he's going to be playing for a new head coach and, and new coaches the year after this. You know, none of these other quarterbacks are in that scenario.
0: It, it's funny that you bring that up because when Gruden was still here and they had Haskins and he thought – and he knew his job was on the line and they wanted to win games, and I always thought if your job's on the line, maybe you should try to, you know, make sure that the quarterback, they just the rookie quarterback they brought in does a good job. So I never understood how they did that, and I, I can see where you're – Right there, they're gonna to have to start fields day one. You brought it up, Aaron Rodgers. Who do you think's got a better chance of getting moved this this offseason? Rogers or um Watson? Assuming Watson gets cleared and is eligible to play. Aaron Rodgers is not getting moved. I mean the okay. Packers are not, they're not gonna trade. So him. then we, we don't have be... to worry about sending three ones and Chase Young to a Green Bay, no. row, right?
1: <laughs> Packers are not moving them. It's either you play for us or you play for nobody. Um okay. they're not gonna trade him. There's no way they're going to ever win that battle, especially after what we happened with Brett Farr. There, there's no way they're, they're ever going to win that scenario. Deshaun Watson, um, he's not going to get cleared beforehand because I don't think some of these cases are supposed to come to court until next January, I believe, yeah. or at least depositions or something like that take place until next January. And um, even if the Texans found the suitor, it would be very difficult for any of the 31 other teams – um, to sell a fan base, to sell several of their employees, to sell the NFL, um, that they're taking serious uh, some of the allegations and some of the league policies um, that these allegations, you know, are, are kind of, you know, supposed to, you know, be involved with. So I, it's just too tough to move him, But I don't think he plays it down for the Texans this year. I, that's just a standoff. You know, the league may put him on the commissioner's exempt I just don't know, but he doesn't play for them, and he gets moved after the season.
2: Steve, I want to switch gears a little bit because I, I, I'm hearing your phone going crazy over there. Um, right, let me silence it. Oh no, no, no you're, you're fine. Feel you're free fine. to break
0: news anytime. Yeah,
2: I, absolutely. I, I just want the people. Can you take people through a typical day? of yours. You know, I know it's off season and maybe a little bit slower now, but just a typical day, let's just say once many uh once training camp starts um in your world. Cause I, I think people get it confused, like, oh, you just get to come on TV and just wax poetic about football. But it's 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 more that goes into it than that. So can you just break that down a little bit?
1: Yeah, there's a lot more. I mean the one thing that's great about the season is there is a there is a rhythm and tempo to it right so training camp comes you basically have a month of a grind right and for me personally in the middle of training camp is the pro football hall of fame ceremony so i'm up in camp for five days with that because i'm our our lead on the the hall of fame ceremonies but like a typical day in training camp let's say we open up this year and i'm with the rams out here in los angeles um i'll spend it you know several hours help. Part of it's driving down to Irvine, you know, probably an hour and a half to where they have uh, their training camp. But then I'm there. A lot of it too, is working the phones beforehand, just getting a lot of things in place with, you know, talking to some coaches and, and maybe, you know, okay, here's some things to look out for. So if I have to go on air before they start practicing, I've got fresh information to deliver to the viewers and to put up on digital So folks can see, okay, this is something to look for. Some of the expectations, Matthew Stafford, whatever. Then once I get out there watching practice and that there's nothing I love more than watching practice. I'm not a big, no pads practice guy, but there I I really pay attention to like personnel packages and defensive substitutions when they go to nickel and dime and and some of the combinations they're really trying to work. If they've an outside linebacker and, you know, a defensive lineman, like let's say Aaron Donald and, and Leonard Floyd, just some of the combinations, some things they're doing, are they moving this outside linebacker inside to a D tackle? Just little details. I mean, I, I really pay attention to this type of stuff. Um, you know, and then I maybe I may not go on air with that today, but because that might've been a single day experiment, but I just talked about, but if I see it over and over, like, okay, this is something for the mental bank. These are some things they may try to do. In certain situations, especially when they've got opposing personnel matchups that favor that type of grouping, so so these are things I pay attention to. Of course, I go on air. Oftentimes, I will write a little bit of something for the website, then the post on digital sites. We have to do digital hits because so much is gleaned these days from your phone, from your iPad. If I can give a forty-five second, hey, I'm out here. It's a hundred degrees. In Irvine, California, so head coach Sean McVay, you know, had the guys take off their shoulder pads halfway through practice, and did little things like that that necessarily aren't as pertinent to a forty-five second hit to maybe the TV audience because I'm talking about something completely different. That's that's also part of it. But I spend the majority of my time, and thank goodness we're we're, we're coming out of this pandemic. Last year was very difficult. Is working relationships, walking off the field. With a coach and not just a head coach necessarily, but a coordinator or a position coach. Position coaches are the best because you can say, okay, hey, well, what corners are really looking good? Is this guy better inside or outside? Is he a press man guys, you know, off man guys, you more of a zone cover guy? Just gathering. Again, it's not all, it's not, an, it's always not um, something where I want to drop it right away. I'm storing it. I'm storing it for proper context when it really comes into play. And, you know, that's something I've learned. I've been doing this now since 1989. Um, but just to really get out there, on, it varies from day to day. Some days I'm in studio, um, but I really like in training camp being out on the field and just, you know, they say smelling the grass, talking to people. Um, the days are long. If you're going to get in this business and you think it's nine to five or you're, you're down for an eight hour day, you won't be in this business for long. But if you don't, if you don't welcome those 13 or 14 hour days too, then, then I suggest you, you call up. Uh you know, Facebook or someone else and, and see if you can get hired there because this is what it's about. And if you're not about it, then you're, you're, you're serving the wrong master, so to speak.
0: Steve, this is a Washington football team heavy podcast. Let's switch gears there. Yeah, I'm curious what, it's taken two years, they've said to do the name change. What does the league, how concerned is the league about what it becomes and, and how important it is?
1: I don't think I do not think it is on the top of their priority list. I, I think um, they saw how the public switched to the Washington football team very quickly. Um, I, I don't think they're, they're pushing the team to come up with an I mean, do the fans. Want it? I don't know. I don't live in, in DC anymore. I mean, I don't know if they're desperate for a name change. I would think that's not on the, on the forefront of the thinking, you know, if you've got to go through another year, fine. Um I think what they've done in terms of changing the overall culture has been seismic, yeah. you know, which, Jason Wright, and Ron Rivera have been able to do to kind of pull this organization from being the butt of jokes to showing leadership, to showing that, okay, we do care about the fan base. Yeah. We do care about the product. Um, we do care about, about weeding out the folks who don't need to be here and don't want to be here and bringing in the right people. I think that is far more um at the front and center of consciousness with the NFL, with the club itself, than the actual name change.
2: Steve, do you believe Ron Rivera when he tells us that there is going to be a real quarterback competition in training camp this year?
1: No. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. No, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's job. Why would you sign him and make him compete? Why would he go there if he's competing right. for the job? Now, it could be his to lose. I mean, if he goes there and stinks it up, then you've got a competition. Taylor, Heineke, you know, whatever you want to do. But it's Fitzpatrick's it's job to lose. No, it's – come on, Ron, <laughs> please. Ferris. <Bear laughs> love you. I love you to death, Ron, but come on. <laughs> what, do you,
0: what do you think makes for a good season for Washington record-wise after winning the division last year? Seven and eight, I guess it was, or seven and nine. Well, look, I mean,
1: double-digit wins, another return to the playoffs, and a a playoff victory. I mean, they've established a foundation now. The expectation is what it is. They have drafted well. Look at at some of the offseason moves they made. I mean, getting a guy like, you know, William Jackson, the corner, getting, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel, who I love. He's one of my favorite players. You can play a running back slot wide. You can do so much with him. He is going to be fun to watch, especially with Fitzpatrick's improvisation. And, yes, I said Fitzpatrick because he's going to be the quarterback. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then defensively, they're just so stacked. You know, you add um, Jamon Davis, the, the linebacker out of Kentucky, what, six of the players they drafted were on the defensive side. Jack Del Rio has done a fantastic job, you know, of, of coaching up all that talent, coordinating all that talent. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the NFC East is what it is. I mean, you know, last we make fun of last year because all the teams were bad, but it still came down to the end, which it always does. Back when we were playing 16 games, it was a rarity when you had a team in that division win 11, 12, or 13 games. It was always a 10-6, and 9-7 and 7 team winning that division, and it came down to the final two weeks. And every year it seemed like hey, it's Eagles this year, uh, it's the Cowboys this year, It's the Giants this year, and Lord knows how long it was before Washington was in that mix. So I I think this year it's going to be competitive. I think if Daniel Jones up with the Giants can control the giveaways, they are going to be a tough out. That is a well-coached football team. Um, Dallas, as we know, they have got offense. Um, I don't think Philadelphia is going to be much of a factor this year, but those three teams, uh, it's going to be tough between them. And I think you're going to have – at least, you know, two teams that are plus 500, and Washington should be one of those two.
0: If the, if they have another top five defense, you think Jack Del Rio will get another shot at a head coaching gig, or do you think he's at the point of his career where he likes being the defensive coordinator?
1: Well, I, don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure he'd love to be a head coach again. I mean, I, you know, I like Jack a lot, and, he, and he's done some good things as a head coach in Jacksonville with the Raiders. You're just seeing more of a trend where the experienced coaches are not, you know, you're, you're seeing the Robert Salas, of the world, and the Arthur Smiths of the world, and and guys like that get opportunities. And you know, we're still waiting for Eric Bieniemy, you know, to get his shot if he if he's ever going to get his shot. So I, I just think Jack in a situation where, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that would put people in front of him. Uh, maybe he gets some interviews, but I don't think he will be, you know, on, on the short list compared to just and that's just not not and that's nothing against him or the job he's done. It's just kind of based on the trend of, of what's going on with the coaches.
2: Uh, Del Rio also has the disadvantage of being a defensive uh, coach. Uh, no.
1: it's no. I mean, what
2: well, well, they did go to, two defensive coaches did get hired this offseason, but the trend has been offense, offense, and more offense. Uh, was it Staley in San Diego and uh, Robert? Robert Sala with oh, the Jets. Yeah, yeah, with the Jets. Uh, Steve, if you had to take a guess, your best guess, I know Doug wanted to do this today. If you you had to pick one out of the NFC East, who do you see today coming out as the champions of the NFC East? Washington. Washington. I love their D. If they if they can turn that D and, and the
1: thing is, here's here's two things to look at. Okay, right? They've got a really good defense, but you gotta get the takeaways right? You, yeah. you, the NFL now is red zone defense and takeaways. And you talk about, you can you can hold teams to less than 300 yards a game and have the number one defense in terms of yards. But if you're giving up points and you're not giving the ball back to your offense, it doesn't mean anything. It, it really doesn't. Like Miami was 10 and six. Their offense was dreadful last. It wasn't dreadful, but it wasn't great. But they led the league in takeaways, right? So they're not going to making the playoffs. So that's that's what it comes down to, and the and Washington has got the players, you know Chase Young knocking the ball free, Montez Sweat strip sacks, you know they got now William Jackson again, he's a guy who can get to the ball. They got players who can get to the ball. They've got to get the takeaways. They do that, I mean you, you can have you can have a, a three yards and a cotton dust offense that kicks field goals because you're you're taking away possessions from the other teams, and that's man if they get started getting takeaways, like in droves. They're going to be frightening, man.
0: Steve, before we let you get out of here, I, I know you did a special with work done mm-hmm. earlier in the week on Juneteenth, which is this Saturday. Unfortunately, there's probably still a lot of people that will listen to this that don't know what that is. I hope you would tell us a little bit about it before you go today. Well, I mean, the holiday
1: itself. I mean, look, this is something I, I grew up. I grew up in Missouri, between uh, Minneapolis and, and outside is, of St. Louis. Is
0: it, is it Missouri or Missouri? Uh,
1: the natives say Missouri. You know, because it was a a French, a okay. French-founded city, so there's a lot of words there. The Washingtons, the San Luis, it's not a Saint Louis, it's a <laughs> San Luis. I grew up Minnesota, and moved there.
0: Well, okay, okay.
1: I went to high school and stuff in Saint Louis. I, I consider it my home. But um, look, it's something I never learned. I didn't know about Juneteenth seriously until like four or five years ago. It's like the Tulsa Race Massacre. I did not know that until like four or five years ago. It's not it's not taught in the curriculum and whatever. That's a whole other subject. But the holiday itself is really, you know, June nineteenth, eighteen sixty-five, when Union soldiers go to Galveston, Texas, and they still see slaves work in the fields. They're like uh, a word. Abraham Lincoln gave the Emancipation Proclamation more than two years ago. You guys are free. Should have been free, but just letting you know. And so, um, is a holiday to celebrate that. And, you know, what work done? Of course, we know he's one of the most charitable athletic figures ever, right? He's given away, not given away, but he's made, he's helped 189 single mothers and fathers uh, earn home ownership. You know, he gives them a down payment. He gives them other funds to help them get into home ownership and, you know, helps arrange mortgages and things like that. So this was a discussion where not only we were talking about his charity, but we were also enlightening uh, people about things like the Juneteenth holiday. Like this is a time to really look at some of the inequities that's going on in society especially dealing with home loans and the difficulty after COVID of, of home ownership. I mean, rent relief is going to put a lot more people on this. You know, when that expires, it's going to put a lot more people on the streets. Housing prices are through the roof. And we still have uh, just great disparities and lending practices between uh, white America and, and a lot of the established white people and then people of color. So these are things we all discussed. And with Warwick's background with the Homes for the Holidays, it was a real pertinent discussion I um, mean, you can find that on uh, wdc.org, worked charities.org. It's a great discussion. And he's also doing a big thing on June 25th to help raise funds. So uh, within the next couple of months, they can get their 200 family in a home. They're 189 now. So it, it'll be a really Incredible. cool
0: deal. Yep. Incredible.
2: Yeah, Incredible. I love I love uh, the work Done charity. I love the the homes. Um, a lot of people don't even know one of the homes he uh, helped a single parent get was Deshaun Watson's yep. brother um, yep. when he was young. So uh, you never know what can come of that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Steve, we thank you for your time. We thank you for joining us today. Um, let the people know where they can find you uh, on Twitter or Instagram or any other social media you may have.
1: Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, Look, NFL Network, Hell and Flow podcast, even though we're on hiatus right now, but hopefully we'll be resuming soon. On Twitter and IG at W 89. Uh, I, I'm, I'm around. I'm active. Holler at me. You know, it's all good.
2: <laughs> Steve, thank you
0: so much for coming on today.
1: Peace, y'all. Thanks thank for having you. me.
2: Have a good one. <laughs>
1: all right. All right.
2: Appreciate
1: you guys. Man. It was
2: fun. Yeah, thank you, Steve. You got it, Doug.